At this time, I have the privilege of introducing uh, the, I'm gonna call them young men because they're all about my age, so. <laughs> Uh, the, the young man, three actually good friends of mine. I'm, I'm just excited to, to, uh, to be able to, to hear them all um, today. But uh, I'm going to introduce them all before they come up, and then uh, and just so you know who's speaking, and then uh, the first one will come up and take it away. Speaking first is going to be Eric Ugarud from Cornerstone. Uh, uh, second will be uh, Dallas Rosted, my associate pastor from Hilltop Celebration Church. And third will be the associate pastor from Calvary Free, Eric Rasmussen. So with that, let's... Uh, We'll save our applause till the end for these guys. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Jeremy. So as long as I'm this, a similar age to you that I'm young, is that the way I understand that? Okay, good. That is very good to know. All right, if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for what you do for what you have already done, for what you continue to do, for what you will do. We thank you that you are building your church and the gates of Hades will not stand against us, against it. We thank you that when we come to Christ, we get included not only in your family, but with our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Lord, we pray that you would now fill us with your Holy Spirit as we open your word, as we look into it. Have your way in our hearts. May we hear and obey and rejoice in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I have the privilege of kicking things off here. Our passage for today is gonna to be Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if you wanna turn in your Bibles or in your phones or, uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, begin the process of walking through that. I get the first four verses today, so I'm gonna be starting in Philippians chapter two and I'm gonna read verses one through four right now if you'd look with me. It says in my version, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now our passage today is going to end on the very high note of lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. And I thought it'd be great for us to begin that way as well. In verse one of this passage, we are asked to consider if we are encouraged by being with Christ. And in the original Greek, it's just that simple but very powerful phrase, in Christ. That phrase, if you've studied the Apostle Paul in his writings, you see it showing up all the time through the letters that he wrote in the New Testament. So are you in Christ? And if you are, think about all the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ. We have forgiveness. We have eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God himself working in our hearts to, to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. We have a future to look forward to. We have an inheritance with Christ. And I like to say it this way, if you see anything good in me, what you are seeing is Christ in me. And can I get an amen from that for all of us here? That's the best part of us, is Christ in us. So for those of us who are in Christ, we know that we have tremendous encouragement and comfort from being united with Christ. And then as we move on to verse two in our passage, we see something we should do if we are in Christ. We should be united with other Christ followers. 
We call this Christian unity, and the Apostle Paul urges us to show that kind of unity. It brought him joy to see it, and he actually commanded that his joy would be made complete through unity. And if we can just be honest, and, and maybe it'll just be refreshing for you to hear somebody say it, over the last 16 months, I think the church has struggled a little bit with unity, and it's not just here in Fergus Falls, it's pretty much every pastor I've talked to, at least in America, and probably around the world. And, and if I'm gonna point any fingers today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point at myself, okay? And let me just start by saying that I know that over the last 16 months, there have been difficult decisions that have had to be made, and, and some of those decisions weren't popular, and some of them weren't even popular with me. Uh, but what I wanna do, and I've already been on record publicly stating this before at, at Cornerstone, I just wanna go on record and say, I am sorry to you all, but most importantly to God, if there is anything that I have done that has led to disunity within God's church because I don't want it to be that way. I, I don't want to do anything that would, uh, that would cause God's church to be separated. So I, I have gone on record and I'll go on record again today repenting of anything that I have done to bring disunity. And here's why I've wanted to do that. Because I believe that if we repent of our sins that God can forgive us and heal us and he can begin to do a new work because God is so good at that. So I just, I just wanted to set that tone here today. And then after setting that tone, just wanna encourage you all, if there's any repenting that any of you all need to do, as we were highlighting today throughout this message, the idea of Christian unity. And if there's anybody that needs to repent of anything, I just wanna give you the space to do that. And, and sometimes here's the way I say this at Cornerstone. If you need to tune me out and just talk to God or listen to God right now, go right ahead. And if there's any repenting that anybody needs to do, let's do that so that God can do his powerful work to make us one in Christ. And then let's look at that unity. In verse two, we see four descriptions of it, all of which get at the idea of unity. We are to be like-minded and to have the same love. And then I like this third term. It literally means to be same-souled. We are to have this togetherness of soul because you are in Christ and I am in Christ. And because we together are in Christ, it's a little windy here today, sorry. Uh, because we together are in Christ, we can have this wonderful Christian unity. And then the last term on this list means to be one in mindset because again, the most important thing about us is Christ in us. So we should focus on what unites us and that is Jesus Christ. So true Christian unity happens when we all focus on what God wants for us following the example of Jesus. And I think Pastor Dallas is gonna get at that in just a little bit. So, so that's how we have unity, but isn't that very different than what the world is telling us today? You see. God tells us to focus on Christ, and that's where our unity comes from. The world tells us to look at our differences. Um, in, at Cornerstone, we're walking through the book of James in our sermon series, and in the book of James, it tells us that there is wisdom from above. Praise the Lord, God gives us wisdom. But there is also earthly wisdom, and, and James describes that earthly wisdom as unspiritual and of the devil. And, and we see this all around us, and it's all too easy for us to follow that. And, and right now, I think what earthly wisdom, this false wisdom would tell us, would be to highlight our differences and to turn those differences into a, a verbal war or into some sort of disunity. But as Christians, we have something so much better to do. The world teaches us to look out for ourselves and our own interests, but we know that God looks out for us. And because he is watching over us, we don't have to be so concerned about ourselves. And that's where verses three and four go in our passage today. We don't have to walk around in selfishness. We don't have to look out for our own interests because God is looking out for us. 
and that frees us up to look at the interests of others. And key word here in this verse is humility. In verse three it says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And that doesn't mean always turning ourselves into a doormat, always letting people walk over us, but it does mean lowering ourselves. That's how I understand the word humility. We lower ourselves so that we can lift others up and ultimately that God would be lifted up and glorified. Now these verses, Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4, are verses that I have often quoted to my kids. And maybe some of you parents can follow along with what I'm doing. I, I look at my kids and I see, oh yeah, they're not doing a great job at looking out for the interests of their siblings. So I quote these verses to them, and as I'm quoting these verses to them, I remember, oh yeah, these verses aren't just for them. These are for me as well. And isn't it amazing how, how easy it is for us to focus on our own interests and not on those around us. But if we're in Christ, again, we know that God looks out for us and that frees us up to look to the interests of others. Because if we belong to Christ, we belong to the body of Christ. And that means that we, we should not be selfish. We don't have to just look out for ourselves. We get to be part of something bigger than us and in humility, we can serve like Christ did. So if I can just recap the first four verses of our passage today. In verse one, we're reminded about the encouragement and comfort we have because we are in Christ. And then in verse two, we see that all of us who are in Christ should seek Christian unity. And just quick note on that. Think about the unity amongst the, the three members of the Trinity since eternity past, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit living in perfect unity. And when we come to Christ, we're invited into that. And, and don't misunderstand, it's not that we become God, but we are welcomed into a relationship with God that is to be marked by our unity with him and by our unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then in verses three and four, because we are to pursue unity, we are not merely to look to ourselves or our own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, if only we had an illustration or an example of what that kind of life would look like, if only we had someone that we could look to who lived out a lifestyle of looking to the interests of others. Dallas, I'm just wondering if you have anybody in mind for that. Um, and maybe you all can see what I'm doing here. I'm tossing Dallas a softball question. And for those of you who know Dallas, you know he's a pretty good softball player, that sweet left-handed swing that I have. Uh, I asked him if he has any home runs this year. He's like, yeah, one or two. I think that means like seven probably. But um, So I'm going to toss a softball question to him, and I expect him to knock it out of the park by showing us a great example of someone who lived a life of humility and of looking to the interests of others. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, softball. Um, I just was talking with someone about this. Uh, they said, you're in your 40s now. Should you still be playing softball? And um, I, was, I said, well, yeah, I mean, I can still do it. You know, I mean, I, I plan on doing softball for as long as I can still do it. Although a lot of times I wake up the next day and I don't feel like I can still do it. But I do. And, um, and what I do tell them, too, affectionately, I just say, look, I'm going to continue to do this until I can't do anything else anymore. And then that's when I'll take up golf. <laughs> am I making friends at the ecumenical service this morning? Okay, I don't know if I am. Um, hopefully you don't hate on me too much. Golf is a great sport. <clears throat> if it is a sport. Okay, anyway. So, continuing in Philippians. we got to get serious again here, everybody. Okay. Starting with verse 5. I have verses 5 through 8 which read this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. As we heard this morning, Pastor Eric was leading us in, in, in the first part of this. this. This portion of scripture is so challenging, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to be um, Christians about everything, if we're actually going to really follow Christ, if, if we aren't going to play church, if we're going to look at the scripture and read it for what it says, Philippians and these verses in Philippians are so challenging. I think of the attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ. To define that, the attitude, the, the, his, it's our understanding, right? It's the, it means to think. And so how we think and our understanding needs to be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Some translations say that we are to have the same mind as Christ. Which leads us into the next portion of what the scripture says, where it says, Who being in very nature God. His very nature was God himself. That's challenging to think of that, that, that this is who he is. The word, the Greek word morph is the natural, uh, where do you get the word nature? The Greek word morphe in, in, the, in the form or shape of that embodies essential substance so that the form is in complete harmony with the inner essence. God, who is perfect in all of his ways, knowing people's thoughts and motivations, was present in the creation of all things. This is who Christ was. He was in the very nature, God. And we are to have his attitude. So Paul is speaking to this church in Philippi. That's where we get the idea of Philippians, right? He's speaking to this church in Philippi. And we are the church of Fergus Falls. Did you not know that? Even though we have different names and we, we have some things that we tend to think divide us, but really we're unified in Christ. Hopefully we're unified in Christ. And so the church of Philippi, and Paul is encouraging them. I don't know if you know some of the context of Philippi. It was an interesting place. It was actually the place that Romans would go when they would retire to go and be uh, just, that's the kind of the retirement place for, for the church of Philippi. And there really wasn't even a synagogue there. Um, they had to go and they had to meet in places down by the river. There really wasn't much of a presence of the church in Philippi. And so it was a, it was, it, it was a very difficult place to actually be a Christian and to follow Jesus. And so Paul's encouraging these people. See, we don't get it, do we, necessarily, for us here today in the Western world. We gather here freely. Nobody entered through any checkpoints on their way to get here, did we? We didn't have to show papers. And we can stand up here and boldly pro proclaim the name of Christ. And we're not worried about any other ramifications other than people maybe giving us a sideways look. But this isn't Philippi. Philippi is a much uh, dangerous, it's a dangerous place for Christians to be. And Paul is encouraging them by saying, have the attitude of Christ. Have his mind, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Let's think about this as well. The idea that he was equal with God. That in his very nature, he was God. He could do anything he wanted to do. But he didn't consider that equality something for him to grasp and to hold on to. I'm challenged by this as an American, as someone who believes in free speech and freedom of religion and freedom to do a lot of things that I want to do because I'm an American. But 
could I, at, at some point in my life, <laughs> come to this point, and I think I'm, I'm trying to get there, everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm working on this. But to get to the point where I understand, humbly understand, that maybe this, these freedoms, these things that I've been given, maybe these aren't always something I need to grasp onto. Maybe sometimes I don't have to say what I want to say. Sometimes I don't have to do the things that I just want to do just because, hey, I can do it in this nation. Sometimes I need to not consider those things something I can grasp onto, as Christ did. Because look, everybody, the reason why he did what he did is because he wanted to. He wanted to. He wanted to die for us. He wanted to make a way for us to have relationship with him forever and ever. So he did not consider this equality or his rights. And we live in a time right now when this is all you see. Look on social media, look at the news, and all you're going to see is how we are to be passionate about the things that we are entitled to. But I'm wondering again, if sometimes we can get lost in that. And when we do, I think that's when disunity comes in. And so like Paul is telling the church in Philippi, he's saying, let's focus again on the attitude of Christ. You know what? If there's anyone who had a right to say that he was mistreated, that his rights weren't, weren't being, he wasn't given any rights, it was Christ. He has every indication to be able to just say, look, this isn't fair. None of this is fair. But he didn't do that. Being in, very, in his very nature, God, he didn't consider that equality something to even be grasped. But what did he do? It says here in the scripture, it says in verse seven, but made himself nothing, void, nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, he stooped. He being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So not only did Christ make that decision that he was going to come on this earth and become like you and I, that he's going to live his life on this earth the way that we do, or we, the way we do this, the way we do things. He worked, right? He had friendships. He had relationships with people that were broken. He went through this whole life the way that he did, and then to suffer and to endure the type of pain and, 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 and the death and the agony of all of that, even to have his friends turn all of their backs on him, being alone and to die on a cross. He did this, everyone, for you and for me. And so what I think the Apostle Paul is saying here in Philippians is he's saying, everybody, let's get perspective. Can we do this, everybody? The Church of Fergus Falls, can we get perspective again? Can we fall into this place where we have the attitude of Christ? Again, I'm speaking to myself just as much as what Pastor Eric was saying. He's preaching to himself. Can we do this? Can we, you know, does it matter what kind of worship music that we have or whether we baptize infants or adults or whether we do all those sorts of things that we like to fight about and be divided over? Does it matter of whether or not we would wear one of these? This is something that causes a, I cannot believe, a perspective again. If we step back and we look at a mask, and 16 months ago, if you were to say, this is going to be something that would divide people within the church. 
that people would leave congregations, people that they know and love and grown up with because they won't or they will wear one of these. And I'm wondering if the Apostle Paul looks at us as he looks at the church in Philippi with all the struggles that they had. And he zeroes in on it and he says, let's get some perspective again. Let's have the attitude of Christ. For some of you, that means you are going to have to put your mask on. For others of you, it means you're going to have to take your mask off. But can we get that perspective again? Can we get the attitude of Christ? Now, I'm going to hand off to another pastor, Pastor Eric. And he's going to get into the scriptures that move into this idea of, therefore, because of all these things, the things that we're looking at, these ideas, the attitude, the nature, and the humility of Christ, as we just looked at, what is our response and, and, and where do we go from here? Pastor Eric. Thank you, Dallas. As we begin our, our third and final part of the message today, let's read these last verses from Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. If you have your Bibles, let's, let's look there. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God has exalted, has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. The first word in our text is, therefore. Like Dallas mentioned, he asked us to consider this great theological question, what's the therefore, therefore, right? Dallas noted the attitude, the nature, and the humility of Christ. And the therefore is there for us to look back at those things. It is because of the humility. It is because of the life. It is because of the death of Christ on the cross that you and I can be unified in Christ. We are unified in the death of Christ. But we're also unified, as verses 9 through 11 tell us, in his exaltation. In his exaltation. God has exalted Jesus so that his name is the most important name you will ever hear in your life. And we are unified as we worship, as we proclaim, as we cling to that name of Jesus. We are unified by the fact that when all things come to an end someday, that every person of every time, of every nation, of every place, will come to realize and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Lordship of Christ is a key idea in our text. The word Lord isn't a, isn't a word we use in the English language much anymore, except in church. Being Lord simply means someone having power or authority or influence that's a master or ruler. The title Lord then is correctly given to Jesus Christ in this way. He is the ultimate power. He is the ultimate authority. He is the ultimate ruler and master. There's a very real and definite sense that Jesus Christ is Lord no matter what you and I say about it, no matter what we do. We bring nothing, to this, nothing of significance to this idea of Christ's lordship. He is Lord over all and in all. But there's also a sense, scripturally, which we can subjectively use this term. And subjectively means that we can make it ours. We can make it personal. 
He can be our personal Lord. He can be our ruler and master, the one in charge of our lives, the one in charge of our families, the one in charge of our churches and our communities. Is he Lord in those areas for you? Have you allowed him to be Lord in your life? Our text notes that all will confess this Lordship, which invites us today to agree on that fact and to declare it today. And I would love to have you kind of just as an as a act of Christian unity today to declare this with me. So if you mean it today, I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to have all of you together say these words. Jesus Christ is Lord. Just simply that, Jesus Christ is Lord. So on the count of three, let's all say it as loud as we can so that all of Fergus Falls can hear us. One, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. I appreciate that very much. This text mention of the life and, and death and exaltation of Christ invites us to explore the full gospel message in the New Testament. This gospel message is something that we can be unified around, and actually it's something we must be unified around as believers in Christ. This is something that the church has sought and, and found unity in through the whole existence of the church, all the way back to the Apostles' Creed and other early creeds. The gospel starts with the fact that God is the creator God created you, and he wants relationship with you. He created it that way, but it didn't last very long, did it? We remember the story from Sunday school, Genesis chapter 3, the Adam and Eve in the garden, and the serpent and temptation to disobey God's rules. And then it happened, didn't it? Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They sinned. Sin can be scripturally defined in many ways, falling short of God's standards, missing the mark, Disobedience to God's law. Tim Keller said, really sin is building your identity, your self-worth and your happiness on anything other than God. The Bible makes it clear that all have sinned. Romans chapter three says, no one is right with God. No one at all. But our society doesn't think sin is such a big deal, do they? And if everyone overlooks the same sins, maybe a society can function that way. It won't be like God designed it, but maybe it'll work. But Christians can't function that way because the Bible disagrees with that idea strongly. The Bible says that sin, all sin, every sin from the biggest to the smallest separates us from God. And that sin ruins any possibility of a relationship with him, except or unless those sins can be forgiven and removed. They can be crossed off your record. Colossians 2.14 refers to our sins as a legal record of debt, which Christ can and does set aside by nailing that record of debt to the cross. Jesus Christ was put to death. He was executed on a torturous cross, and he willingly went there for you and for me to pay our debt, to buy our forgiveness. Because of the cross, we can have a clear record. Because of the cross, we can have our sins permanently removed. The cross makes it possible for you and I to enter into a relationship with God way back in creation. That's how he designed it. And the cross makes that possible. All who acknowledge their sin, all who receive this free gift of forgiveness, all who believe in Jesus Christ for salvation are invited into God's family. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
This new relationship with Christ is an eternal relationship. All those in a relationship with him, as John refers to it, all those who become children of God will spend eternity in heaven with God. The Bible describes this eternity in many ways, but my favorite has long been Revelation chapter 21, verses three and four. It says this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And I share this gospel with you today as a matter of Christian unity. And I know that Dallas and Eric and every other Bible believing pastor here would probably use different words than I did to share this gospel. But I know that we are all in agreement on the gospel, created for relationship, separation from God because of sin, forgiveness accomplished on the cross, and eternity in heaven. The gospel is, is simple, and yet it is so profound. It is, it is absolutely concrete, and yet it is living. Someone once described the gospel as a pool in which a toddler can wade, and yet an elephant can swim. We can agree and be unified, and yet word things differently as we share the gospel. But today I don't share the gospel only as an example or proof of Christian unity. I share it because of its great power. Today, all those who hear the gospel here, anywhere in our great country will respond in one of three ways. Either you respond with praising the Lord for your salvation. Yes, Lord, I thank you for my salvation. Or you'll respond with a no, I don't want that. Or you'll respond as the Holy Spirit of God works in your heart. Today, if God is working on your heart, I encourage you to come to talk to Pastor Eric or Pastor Dallas, myself, any of the other pastors here, really any, any other mature believer in Christ, and see what this relationship with Christ is all about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in Christian unity with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ here today. Thank you for beautiful weather. Thank you for chairs to sit on, Lord, green grass. But most of all, Lord, today we're thankful for you, for the, for the gospel message, for who you are, what you have done on our behalf. Lord, I do pray today that if anyone is here who needs to start a relationship with you, to fix a relationship with you, Lord, that you would um, bring them to the point where they need to come and talk to someone today. Lord, we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Declare once again, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.